Eternal Health, episode number 16. Listening to the Eternal Health Podcast, where we discuss God's great design for your life in body, mind, and spirit. Your host is Laura Rimmer, who's a plant-based nutritionist, author, speaker, and health coach. Looking for yoga tips or the latest protein shake recommendations? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. If you're ready for no-nonsense, multi-layered health expertise, drawing on evidence-based nutrition and biblical principles, welcome to Eternal Health. For show notes and to download your free 5-minute Optimum Health Scorecard, please visit laurarimmer.com. Enjoy the show. Hi there, it's Laura Rimmer. Welcome back to Eternal Health. And this episode called Vocal Health, Voice Training, and How to Protect Your Vocal Cords. So this is going to be a a little bit of a different episode, and I'm really excited to bring you a great interview guest called Liz Summers, who is a registered speech and language therapist and vocal trainer. And she's going to be sharing some tips on how to protect your voice and your vocal cords. So especially if you're anything like me, so I'm a, a speaker, a singer, I coach people online. So I really need my voice to be in top condition for my work, for my hobbies, for my passions. And over and above all that, whether you're none of those things or all of those things, we all need to be able to use our voice for one major, major thing. And what is that thing? communication. We need to be able to communicate effectively with our fellow human beings. And one of the best ways to do that is to learn the secrets, the tips, the insights, which is going to give you vocal health, vocal intonation, persuasion, a stronger voice, a more enthusiastic voice, a more a a well-trained voice. So this is going to be an exciting interview today. Now, before we get into it, I just want to say a big thank you for being a listener of this podcast, Eternal Health. We've been going for a couple of months now and we've had over 4,000 downloads worldwide and I've got some great reviews on iTunes, so loads of five-star reviews. So I'm just going to read out a couple. Tony Jopson, who's a, a friend of mine, says, Laura applies biblical wisdom to her advice on health, on living healthy. Since the creator of the world inspired the Bible and our creator would obviously know which foods and lifestyles are best for us, this seems a pretty good basis for her wisdom. Great to hear the gospel within her podcast too. Go, Laura. So if you're new to Eternal Health, yeah, we do speak uh, health, bodily health, mind health, spiritual health, but we also speak about the spiritual health that comes from the the, uh, the Bible and the gospel. Zion69 says, Laura's in-depth knowledge and capability to draw attention immediately to her audience captured my concentration in an instant. This great human being has inspired my world towards a better lifestyle, increased my own knowledge on what it takes to make great change for the greater good in all ways. I hope she does more incredible work. So that's just a couple of the very kind reviews that I've had on iTunes. So thank you so much. If you haven't already subscribed on iTunes or left a review, then I'd really appreciate it if you were to do that. It helps get the message out for this show. And uh, if you could share it with just one or two friends, then that would be great as well. So thank you. Without further ado, let's get into this episode of Eternal Health with my interview guest, Liz Summers. 
I am here with Liz Summers today and Liz is a voice and communication coach for entrepreneurs and professionals who want to learn to speak with clarity, confidence and charisma. Liz uses her years of experience as a registered, a registered speech and language therapist to share expertise on topics such as vocal health, which I know is going to be really, um, you know, really interesting to many of you, uncovering the true range and potential of your voice and improving your communication to connect with your dream clients and be seen as the go-to expert in your field. So I'm really excited to have Liz on. Hi there, Liz. How are you? Hi, Laura. I'm great, thank you. Really nice to be on with you today. Brilliant. Yeah, well, this is a topic that is really quite quite dear to my heart because as someone who uses my voice a lot, so as a, you know, as a coach, as an entre- uh, entrepreneur, leading teams and things and as a speaker and as a singer and a podcast host obviously like (laughs) yeah I need good vocal health and so I've got a little bit of self-interest in having you on today but I know that (laughs) many people who are listening will also have um, you know have a similar interest in that people who use their voice for a living and in hobbies and things we can't afford to lose our voice so I'm so excited to hear you know your your tips on vocal health and things like that and um and yeah just understand more about the voice and and speech and and language so that's awesome so do you want to just tell us what what's your background Liz um I know you're a speech and language therapist but kind of tell us your path of how you got into doing what you do Absolutely. So I would say that my path to working in my field started when I was very small. I grew up with a lisp, uh, a really quite a bad lisp, um, which is not great when your name is Elizabeth Summers. Oh. Um, I had three older sisters who thought it was hilarious to make fun of me, of course. And I think that from an early age probably piqued my interest in the way that we communicate and how that affects the way that other people respond to you and the way that you're perceived by other people. So, for example, I used to find it quite hard to get myself taken seriously because whenever I wanted to throw a strop, people would just laugh at me and find it adorable because of my lisp. (laughs) So as I grew up, I decided to train as a speech and language therapist. So I studied that at uni and I've been working for more years than I care to remember as a speech Mm. and language therapist. So that is in the National Health Service here in the UK. And I developed speciality in working with people with voice problems and voice disorders. So the people who developed a voice disorder to such an extent that they needed to go to the doctor would then be sent to a specialist ear, nose and throat doctor and then usually sent to me for some training and some advice and education about how to sort things out for themselves. And I really loved that work. That was incredibly valuable to me. Um, incredibly rewarding Mm. but what I found was that I was working with people who already had a problem trying to sort out a problem after it had occurred and when they were already almost in crisis mode I had a lot of people who were signed off work singers who couldn't sing anymore teachers who couldn't teach anymore and I realized there was a huge need to start working with people in a more proactive way and a more educational way so that they were informed and equipped to actually prevent these types of problems happening rather than just waiting until they happened and then trying to kind of fight fire as it were so Mm -hmm. for the last year or so I've been working independently as a coach so I do a lot of work with people on vocal health um, looking after their voice training their voice and getting the most out of it but I also work with people on communication in a more general sense so for example I have a lot of clients who feel like they don't project 
the the real or the best version of themselves when they communicate maybe they don't sound very intelligent or they don't feel like they inspire a lot of confidence in other people they don't sound very credible for example when I do a lot of work with people who want to become more confident communicators more fluent communicators and especially people who want to start doing things like public speaking or making videos making podcasts those kind of things because your voice and your communication really are the way that you show your skills to the outside world. So you can be as intelligent and as skilled as you like, but if you can't express that verbally to other people, it really stunts your progress quite significantly. So that's how that's how I got into my field. Awesome. What an amazing career path and what valuable work you do. That, and and just to say, you know, I think you've got you've got such a beautiful voice yourself that is, you know, yeah, you obviously put into practice all the years of training, um, yeah, in your own life. So you mentioned you used to work with people in more of a kind of reactive way. Mm-hmm. So let's start there. What types of problems can people experience with their voice? Mm. So the first types of problems they tend to experience are those kind of um, start start off problems where they feel like their voice perhaps isn't as clear as it would usually be maybe it sounds a bit more hoarse or husky and maybe it starts to give out on them occasionally or if they use it a lot it starts to feel tired more quickly Um, they could start to feel that their throat is very dry and scratchy or perhaps it's uncomfortable to speak and often people describe a feeling of congestion in their throat which is really interesting and we'll talk a bit bit more about that later so those are the sort of first things that people tend to experience Um, as things progress and if they don't get help or don't implement strategies to sort that out they can actually develop physiological problems so things like vocal nodules um, cysts on the vocal folds granulomas which is like um, a bit like you could compare it to a wart I suppose or a callus on the vocal cords and in some cases you can get various other conditions for example where the vocal cords swell very severely and actually give you a very severe very very rough hoarse sounding voice which is quite difficult to then improve and needs quite a lot of intensive help from from a skilled person so I would say that often people start and a lot of us will have experienced some of these symptoms that sort of slight rough croaky kind of feeling or feeling like perhaps your voice is a bit deeper than it would normally have been Mm -hmm. and Often those things resolve spontaneously. Um, perhaps you've just been going through a period where you've been using your voice a lot, for example, or perhaps you're just getting over an illness. But actually for a lot of people, the problems get worse. And one of the reasons is that when you start to have a change in your voice, your body will naturally try and help you. It's very clever, the human body, and the body will go, something's going wrong here, let me try and help. And it's a bit like if you had uh, a knee injury, for example, Mm -hmm. you would probably start to walk differently to try and ease the strain on your knee. But in doing that, you can then give yourself problems with your hamstrings and your foot and your hip and your back because you're compensating and adjusting to account for this this weakness so the same thing often happens with voice somebody starts off with a minor symptom their body tries to help them and they actually develop some compensatory patterns which aren't very helpful for their for their voice and those patterns can actually get stuck or kind of ingrained in the body and then they take quite a lot of training to correct again Mm -hmm. okay that's interesting so just to recap on what you said so it's kind Mm -hmm. of like and I think that's such a good analogy that it's like a knee injury and I know this myself when I had a knee injury yeah you do start walking funny and I got a hip kind of problem as because I was overcompensating mm-hmm. with my knee so that makes total sense so what kind of things um 
what are the causes the root causes of, of voice problems is it just overuse or is it not using our voices in the right way or mm, it tends to be a combination of factors it's really one thing i would say the most and it slightly depends based on the type of problem and we tend to have a sort of typical profiles that people tend to fit um, for example you might have performers and teachers who very commonly experience vocal nodules mainly because vocal nodules occur usually due to voice overuse or misuse um, you can have other problems which arise because of different things so for example there's a condition called renchizodema which is the one i mentioned where the vocal cords swell which is usually caused by smoking um, and granulomas which i also mentioned can be caused primarily by either reflux or by excessive coughing and throat clearing so there are different habits which cause different voice problems but i would say in the average person experiencing some of those symptoms like hoarseness tiredness dry scratchy kind of throat it tends to be perhaps they aren't implementing some basic habits that would look after their voice more effectively and the thing with the voice is people often presume that the voice is a kind of infinite resource that they can just open their mouth and speak without thinking about it and their voice will do what they want it to do and behave the way that they want it to behave and that they can use it as much or as they like without repercussions and I think one of the most interesting and the way, one of the most important things to realize is the voice is simplistically speaking the voice is a muscle and like any other muscle in your body it has a limited amount of energy and a limited amount of things it can do before it will start to get tired and it also needs to be looked after properly in order to work at its best potential so there are daily habits which we'll talk about that you can implement to basically make your voice as healthy as possible but you also need to remember that the voice is a, a delicate resource and that it needs to be treated with care in order to work the way that you want it to work especially for people who place a lot of demand on their voice so people who use their voice for work performers singers and so on those if you think of it like an athlete yeah. <laughs> people who use their voice for work and performers are essentially sort of the elite athletes mm. um and they're the people who will need to put the most um work if you like into maintaining their voice and keeping it healthy because it's such a valuable resource and because they're requiring so much of it mm, interesting i heard one lady say that singers speakers uh what did she say athletes of the micro muscles which i thought was an interesting exactly way of, of putting it. um <laughs> And yeah, I, I just can relate to this again so much because when I spent years in telesales and I had no idea when it was only when I got on the phone for four hours a day, every day speaking continually mm. that I just started getting sore throats and, and really beginning to lose my voice. And then eventually I learned how to use my diaphragm and, and project better. But then again, when I went to vocal performance school, which really helped, by the way, learning mm. how to again project and use other muscles to support the voice but for the first couple of months it was yeah it was a real struggle and and that really highlighted to me exactly what you've said that it's not just an infinite resource that we can command at will unless we've put that training in and have the the skill and the health I guess to, yeah. to support good voice exactly and that that technique thing is so important so learning how to use your voice properly learning how to use the supporting 
um, systems, so for example, your breathing, your nasal resonance, mm-hmm. they that can massively affect the potential of your voice. So you might have a limited potential if you have a limited technique, but by improving your technique, you can hugely improve what your voice is capable of, its stamina, its projection ability, and you also dramatically reduce the risk of you developing those compensatory behaviors Mm -hmm. because if you know how important your posture is if you know how important your breathing is and your resonance you can make sure that all of those things are in alignment so when you use your voice you've got everything set up correctly and then you are much less likely to develop those undesirable patterns of compensation okay so before we go into some tips and um, things that are going to help support our voice you mentioned compensatory behaviors so what are the things we need to watch out for that we might be doing to compensate absolutely so the most common one is straining the voice basically as you probably know the the vocal cords themselves live in your what we call the voice box which is the larynx the vocal cords are two smooth strips of muscle which form a sort of v-shape when you breathe in and then they come together and vibrate together when you speak but surrounding those two vocal cords are a complicated web of muscles which moves the vocal cords together and apart it changes the pitch changes the volume and the whole voice box the whole larynx is suspended in this big web of muscles inside your neck so the most common thing that i see happening is when the voice starts to tire or when it starts to croak people put more effort in with all of those muscles they tense all of the muscles in their neck and inside the larynx to try and essentially push the voice out Now, that might work temporarily, but what it does is puts an immense amount more strain and stress on all of those muscles. It'll make them tire quickly. And those patterns of tensing, a bit like if you had tense shoulders or a tense neck, those patterns of tension can become very, very ingrained in the body and the body almost forgets how to speak without that tension. Um, And that's one of the the main things I I have to work on with clients is trying to actually release all of that tension in the larynx and in the neck. Mm -hmm. So point number one is straining, and that can be either just with the larynx and just with the muscles in the neck, or I quite often see people strain with their whole body. So their shoulders come up, Mm -hmm. their head pokes forward like a turtle. (laughs) You see them putting in so much effort to drive their voice out. Um, and so pushing and straining on one thing and working on breathing is one of the key things in reducing that because if you can be putting in more effort with those huge muscles of your diaphragm and your lungs and your tummy muscles to help drive the air up and out you don't have to put nearly as much strain in inside your larynx so straining is one thing people often also um start throat clearing so throat clearing is one of my little bugbears <laughs> everybody does it a little bit occasionally and it's an your body's natural response if your throat is feeling a bit congested or if your voice feels a bit like it might be hoarse or, or croaky but what happens when you throat clear is that you bang your vocal cords together very very forcefully that's how you make the noise of clearing your throat is you're whacking your vocal cords together repeatedly and that tends to clear your voice in the sense that your vocal cords have whacked together so then they're more inclined to come together smoothly but what it's also doing is essentially assaulting your vocal cords they really don't like being whacked together forcefully and what they will then do is swell up a little bit and create a mucus to protect themselves and then you perceive that your vocal cords are a little bit unusual and you perceive that there's mucus in your throat so guess what you clear your throat to try and sort it out and thus ensues a bit of a throat clearing cycle which becomes really quite hard to break so 
everybody occasionally feels the need to do a little throat clear but there's a difference between and i hope i can demonstrate this without deafening everybody there's a difference between doing a little throat clear like this <coughs> and doing a big <coughs> kind of throat clear which is much more aggressive on the vocal cords so there's a number of different things people can do a lot of the time people also increase their volume so this happens a lot with people with nodules and people with nodules tend to be prone to quite speaking quite loudly anyway but what people would do where their voice starts to go croaky and their pitch tends to jump around a bit they get sort of squeaks in their voice what they'll do is speak louder and more forcefully because they experience less of the croaking when they do that but again what that's doing is attacking the vocal cords the vocal cords are crashing together very forcefully and it essentially just makes the problem worse Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, well, that's some concrete things that all of us can be aware of now. So, um, yeah, awesome to hear that. Thanks, Liz. Now, let's move on then to some basic habits that can help us preserve and promote vocal health. Absolutely. So I would say one of the most important things is to, again, think about your voice as a muscle and think about um, yourself as an athlete if you're somebody who uses your voice a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody would not go from sitting on the sofa watching the TV and just get up, walk out of the house and then sprint 500 metres. That wouldn't happen because most people are aware of the need to warm up your body before you do any sort of intense physical exercise. But what a lot of people forget to do is warm up their voice before they're going to use it a lot. So this would be, for example, I've done a vocal warm up before we came on to do our podcast today. I would do the same thing before I was going to do any sort of public speaking. So, for example, I work as a lecturer at a university. So before any of my lectures, you can find me in the toilets nearby doing a vocal warm-up, which people seem to find hilarious when they stumble upon me. Um, anything, if you're going to make a long phone call, if you're going to need to project, if you're chairing a meeting, anything like that, especially even if you work in somewhere noisy like a bar, it might be a good idea to do a vocal warm-up. You basically want to start getting the muscles in your larynx warm, getting them moving, and also remind your body how it's supposed to be working so remind yourself of the proper breathing technique get your posture set up properly and get everything set up in the right place so that, that when you start speaking you're ready to go if you like rather than as I said just getting up on the off the sofa and sprinting and the same is true of cooling down to a degree if you've been talking a lot it's sensible to do a few very gentle voice exercises just to try and cool your muscles down a little bit so number one is warming up and cooling down number two is just being smart with how you use your voice mm-hmm. um moderating the use and by that i don't mean conserving your voice or doing total voice rest or anything like that but what i mean is if you know that you have got um four hours of talking on the phone for example in a telesales role yeah i, I wouldn't then book to go out for dinner to a really noisy restaurant in the evening or if you know that you're being interviewed for something important and you want your voice to sound great, then don't um, book 10 client calls in in the morning so that you've been talking all day by the time you come to do the interview. Just be smart with your voice and remember that it's not an infinite resource. It will get tired at a certain point and it's sensible to kind of try and space out your voice use or moderate it such that you don't put it under unnecessary strain. And even things like if you're going to have a conversation with your partner, turning down the TV, mm-hmm. those kind of things, trying to reduce your background noise. If you're going to have an important meeting or a catch 
up with a friend, try and choose a, an appropriately quiet place to do that rather than going somewhere where it's really, really noisy and you both know you're going to have to be yelling over background noise the whole time. And people often say that their voice is particularly poor if they've been out in the evening, for example, to a restaurant or a bar, and their voice will be hoarse the next day. And people often say, oh, I don't know why my voice is so bad today. And it's basically because they've been shouting for four hours mm. in the evening without even realising, because you just raise your voice to talk over the background noise without really thinking about it but that is putting in a massive amount more strain on the voice so it's not to say don't do those things but more just be sensible about how you plan your calendar to give the voice a chance to rest if it's going to have particularly intense periods of use Hmm. Um, the next thing is to think about some uh, harmful habits that is best to avoid and the most prominent of those is smoking Um, Obviously, smoking has become a lot less prominent in our culture in recent years, but smoking essentially um, involves drawing in that hot smoke and those toxins directly over the vocal cords. So the smoke actually passes over the surface of the vocal folds Mm -hmm. and they don't, needless to say, they don't enjoy it very much. (laughs) So um, one of my most um, basic pieces of advice would be to avoid smoking for anybody who currently does. Um, hydration is incredibly important for the vocal folds they are made of what we call mucous membrane so it's a bit a bit like the tissue inside of your mouth it's very delicate and it needs to be kept moist and lubricated so something really important is to make sure you're drinking enough water and also avoiding a lot of caffeinated or alcoholic drinks which obviously are diuretics and tend to make you pee out all of your hydration so i would say that the current guidance is uh, one and a half liters i believe for women and two liters for men but i would i and i'm sure you agree that's a fairly low estimate Mm, and i would particularly advocate for people who use their voice a lot needing to increase that quite significantly um something else you can do for hydration is that when you when you drink water the water doesn't touch the vocal folds because vocal folds live in your trachea, your airway. And if the water did touch your vocal folds, it would mean your water had gone down the wrong way and you would cough a lot in response. So the water works in terms of hydration by hydrating your whole body systemically. Something you can do to give direct hydration to your vocal cords is inhale steam. Mm. So the same way you would if you had a cold is just putting your head over a bowl of hot water you don't need to put anything in the water in fact it's better if you don't because a lot of the things that people tend to put in the water are actually astringent so just do clean steam obviously make sure it's not actually going to burn you Um, or you can get little portable steamers which you fill up with water they're a bit like face steamers and in doing that you're breathing in the steam the moist air directly over the vocal folds and it works um, firstly by hydrating the vocal folds but also arguably that warmth and that steam helps the muscles to relax it's a bit like if you'd had a, a hard day physically getting into a hot bath at the end of that day gives the chance the muscles a chance to relax and ease off and it can seems to be able to help compensate for some of that tension that we talked about earlier the next thing that is useful is to just um, remember what I said about throat clearing and also coughing so trying to avoid getting into that habit of clearing your throat to get your voice going it's much better for example if you want to get your voice going or see how it's going to come out rather than do a throat clear you can do a gentle hum a hmm 
And often if you've got that little tickly congested feeling in your throat, that hum will be enough to, to tickle that and to kind of scratch the itch and make you feel more comfortable. Okay. And much better for your vocal cords than a big, a big throat clear, which they really don't enjoy. And something, the last thing I just want to mention is that for a lot of people, actually, there seems to be a link between reflux and voice problems. So reflux being obviously when things come up out of the stomach, they pass upwards back into the esophagus and they can come up as far as the throat and the larynx. Mm -hmm. There's some emerging research to suggest that some people with voice problems, especially people who have a sort of swelling and redness on the back of their vocal cords, might actually be suffering from reflux. So getting some help with that is really useful, especially if you are aware that you suffer from reflux symptoms like burping or that acid heartburn kind of feeling, a burning sort of sensation in your throat, or often people feel the need to throat clear a lot if they have reflux problems because of the swelling. So I know that you do a lot of work with alkaline diet, and that's something that seems to be incredibly helpful for managing reflux. And also things like avoiding processed foods, avoiding a lot of caffeine, Avoiding eating excessively large meals, which are going to kind of overstuff your stomach, and also avoiding eating very close to a time when you need to lay down or, you know, don't eat before a yoga class, those yeah. sorts of things to help reduce reflux. And I'm sure you have a lot more wisdom to share on reflux, but it's something that a lot of people haven't even considered that there might be a link between reflux and voice problems. But basically, the stomach contents come up and start to attack the tissues inside the larynx. Yes. Yeah, that makes total sense. That's that backs up um, what I know about reflux as well. And yeah. clients I've worked with with reflux, um, they always tell me exactly what you've just said. That unless they, if they eat too close to going to bed, um, unless they prop themselves up. So I'm thinking one of my clients, she has to prop herself up in bed with like three yeah. pillows. If she doesn't do that, the next day her voice, number one, she gets serious like reflux symptoms, but her voice literally mm. goes so. absolutely what i would suggest for that for that here's just a little tip for that lady in particular yeah. <laughs> is uh -huh. often if you if you prop yourself up with pillows what you can end up doing is actually squashing your tummy a little bit okay. so um depends what kind of bed you've got but often actually putting pillows or putting some sort of wedge underneath the mattress can be more helpful in that whereby you actually tilt the whole bed yeah. and you can put or you can put blocks underneath the sort of legs of your bed yeah. because what you want to do is keep yourself flat but make your head higher than your tummy oh. if you like so yes. kind of keep yourself flat but make the reflux have to travel uphill if it was going to find its way to your throat um, another tip that can be helpful is for people who sleep on their side if you're going to pick a side to sleep on pick your left side okay. the reason is because your stomach isn't central and your esophagus doesn't come straight up in a line up your middle your stomach is actually off to the left side and there's a little u-bend that goes into your esophagus so if you sleep on your left side you help keep everything in your tummy and the reflux would have to travel kind of uphill up the u-bend to get into your esophagus whereas if you sleep on your right side the contents of your stomach can kind of wash out down that u-bend so pick your left <laughs> that's a little, little tidbit tip for that um the other thing to say is just that for people who are starting to experience some problems with their voice, as I said, they can start doing these unusual compensatory habits, which are hard to improve. Um, it's really, really useful to just get some help with your voice. It's something that can usually be managed fairly quickly and efficiently with a bit of education and some exercises. So there's really no need for it to develop 
into such a problem that you have to go to the doctors and see a specialist and jump through all these hoops when actually the voice is something that can be improved fairly rapidly and fairly simply and the other reason to be quite proactive in getting help is obviously if you notice a change in your voice if you start to feel like your throat sound feels different your voice sounds different perhaps you have a hoarse or a husky voice for several weeks without any clear explanation like a cold or anything um, perhaps you start feeling some pain in your throat pain when you swallow it's really important to actually get some help for that and go and see your GP mm-hmm. because in some instances it can be a sign that there's something more sinister going on and so I would always tell people to be very proactive and if and basically be aware of how their voice normally sounds and how their throat normally feels and just to be very proactive in going to their GP if they do notice changes just in case it is something to worry about if you see what I mean. Yeah interesting okay thank you some great tips there you mentioned some foods so Mm. and you mentioned the alkaline diet and yeah i mean alkaline foods tend to be avoiding things like caffeine alcohol and but also things like dairy and i know it's it's well known amongst singers that that just don't have dairy a few days before you sing what's your view on on dairy and, and mucus and and do you think we should be avoiding dairy permanently if we're you know if we use our voice a lot or yeah what's your take this is something that's really interesting actually Laura and having done a bit of a literature study on this Mm. there's actually in certainly in the voice therapy world there is not a lot of compelling scientific evidence to suggest that that dairy creates problems with voice per se however in my years of experience I would say that a lot of professional voice users and singers have reported the same thing that basically dairy makes them feel congested in their throat it increases their sense of mucus and it's hard to say to what degree that's physiological mm-hmm. and to what degree it's to do with the sensation you know dairy leaves behind that filmy kind of mm-hmm. residue doesn't it, in your mouth yeah. and it's possible that that just contributes to this overall sensation it's kind of hard to say what's happening physiologically but I would say that each person particularly professional voice users who as we said are the athletes of voice use yeah. I would say it's really important to listen to your body and to do whatever feels like the right thing for you within reason, of course. So if you feel personally like dairy impacts your performance, I think it makes total sense to avoid it. Um, This probably feeds into a larger debate about whether we should be consuming dairy at all. (laughs) Um, But I would say in the absence of any clear scientific evidence, it is most logical to listen to your own body and to see whether you feel like personally dairy is a problem for you with your voice if it is it makes sense to avoid it yeah yeah it makes sense total sense for me it I definitely felt it's one of the reasons why I gave up dairy completely is because um singing well (laughs) I sang in a rock band for years and I just found (laughs) yeah not not really my style but that's where I started and I found I did have a lot of mucus but then now I sing in a philharmonic choir and I found I gave up dairy probably seven years ago, but I found I wasn't able to hit top notes really clearly. Um, and when I gave up dairy, it just became a lot more easy. And yeah, mm. so so for me, I can relate to that. But but then again, I meet other singers who they say it isn't a problem. So that kind of echoes what what you say, really. So yeah, okay. yeah, I think it's down to the individual that one. Absolutely. Okay, sure. So um, now, just you mentioned, and I just want to give people as many um tips i guess as as we can because 
you talked about vocal uh vocal warm-ups and to mm-hmm. me i'm thinking trills and scales and arpeggios and like nasal things and mm-hmm. is, is that the type of stuff you mean i'm just thinking for anyone who's unaware of any vocal warm-ups what are some simple ones to do absolutely so yeah that's exactly what i would suggest um i would say that for singers you obviously need to go for kind of top level vocal warm-up whereas if it's something like you're recording something with your spoken voice a video podcast something like that you or or something in person you might not need to do something quite so complex so a very simple vocal warm-up that you can do is just take a moment to make sure that you're sitting or standing totally upright, that your head is balanced on top of your neck and shoulders without sticking forward or pulling back. Check that your chin is slight, is sort of parallel with the floor, but also not raised and not dropped. And you just want to spend a few minutes thinking about your breathing and trying to get that breathing right down into your tummy so that your stomach expands when you breathe in. Mm-hmm. and get smaller when you breathe out and for you I'm sure I'm teaching you to suck eggs completely but for somebody who's really never done any particular work on their voice this is one of the most important basics yeah. is to realize that your lungs come right down to the bottom of your rib cage and the biggest part of your lungs is in your stomach so when you breathe in you want to think about those lower lungs being like balloons and inflating so they'll inflate your stomach and then as you breathe out you get that to become smaller what a lot of people do is breathe only into their upper chest and by doing that you're only filling up the top sort of third of your lungs for example and you really don't get enough power from breathing that way to use your voice effectively so number one is to spend a few minutes working on some abdominal breathing and trying to slow that breathing down and get it nice and and reasoned what you want to be working towards is being able to breathe in quite quickly in one or two seconds Mm -hmm. and being able to breathe out slowly so you might hold the out breath for three seconds and five seconds and 10 seconds because what you have to do when you speak is breathe in very quickly on a pause and then sustain the out breath for the whole time you're talking so if you want to work on breathing that's a really good idea focus on abdominal breathing and also try and make the in breath short and the out breath long so the next thing you want to do is relax your facial muscles So one of the best ways to do that is to imagine you're chewing a gigantic toffee and do some very big exaggerated chewing as if you're trying to get your mouth around this big chewy toffee. And something that then you can do is move on to trills, which were what you mentioned. A trill is basically like blowing a raspberry (laughs) for somebody who's not familiar. So you can do them without voice like this or with voice like this. And so the one without voice sounds a bit like a horse. (laughs) And the one with voice sounds a bit like a telephone. And what they do is basically relax the muscles in your face. Because the more relaxed the muscles in your face are, the more likely the muscles in your larynx will be relaxed. So that's a really good place to start. Then you might do some pitch glides. So when you speak, you're naturally changing your pitch, your the the how high or low your voice is. You're changing your pitch all the time, up and down, up and down with your intonation. So it's a good idea to start working on that flexibility of your pitch. So you can do that with a trill. So you might do a glide like this. And down. And do a few of those because you want to get your voice used to making higher and lower pitches so that it can jump between those in your normal speech more effectively. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that I would suggest doing is a nasal sound. 
like a hum. Mm -hmm. And what you're essentially going to be trying to do is move the sound and the resonance of the, the sound into your nasal cavity. So you would practice this on a, a sound like a hum, an M sound. So I'll show you two different ones and I'll see if you can hear the difference. This is the first one. This is the second one. Okay. Yeah. The, pur so the purpose of that is to create that rich chant-like sound. It sounds a bit like a yoga chant, a bit like a didgeridoo. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to get this very rich kind of sound rather than that thin throaty sound yeah. and what you're doing when you work on nasal resonance is you're basically tapping into your body's natural amplification system if you think of the way that theaters amphitheaters that kind of thing are designed they're designed so that the sound can bounce around because that amplifies the sound and what you're doing when you tap into your nasal resonance is allowing the sound to come up into your nose and bounce around in there and by doing so you're amplifying the voice and making it richer and warmer and more full by using your body's natural system and it means that your larynx has to do a lot less work because you're using the body's natural amplification not pushing the voice more using more volume from the larynx if that makes sense so yeah quick vocal warm-up focus on your breathing for a few minutes do some trills without voice and then with voice do some pitch glides on those trills and then do a few of those nice rich nasal sounds and you should be all set mm -hmm. brilliant Thank you. That's some great tips there. I want to move on to, we've talked a lot about vocal health. I want to move on to uh, performance and communication and, and our, well, let me ask you this. To what degree is it possible to change our voice, change our communication? And I know that you're a living example of someone who's do that, who's done that. So yeah, to anyone who's looking to upgrade their communication, their voice, how can that be done? Absolutely. So I am, um I would say I'm biased, of course, but the voice, for me, the voice and the communication more generally are incredibly trainable. That's not to say that they're easy to train because you're, the way that you use your voice and the way that you communicate are very much habit-based. So you do them largely unconsciously. You just open your mouth and speak the way you speak because probably that's the way you've always spoken. So although it's not easy to do, both of those things are highly trainable. Um, there are some limitations. So, for example, the musculature and the, the mechanisms you were born with, the, the shape of your mouth, the size and shape of your larynx and your vocal cords, those are sort of fixed, if you like. But everything above and beyond those is trainable. So, for example... I've worked with people who feel like they have a very um, a very quiet, low, indistinct voice. And in only a couple of sessions, they've developed, actually, they've realized actually they have a very loud, gigantic, booming voice. Hmm. They've just never learnt to use it. They've just never discovered it, if you like. It's been hidden inside them all of this time. Likewise, I've had some clients who feel that they, uh, some female clients who hate, who say that they hate the sound of their voice. They feel like they sound like a little girl. And in only a couple of sessions, they've realized actually that's just because that's the way they've habitually learnt to use their voice. And actually, there's a mature woman's voice waiting to be let out. And that's something that they can actually learn to implement by doing some repeated practice of certain exercises. With communication in general, again, it's habit based, but things like the speed that you speak at, how well you articulate, even accent, all of these are just habit and pattern driven. 
and they are possible to interrupt so things like body language facial expression the way you use your face so I've been working with a really wonderful client recently who the same client who felt that he was very mumbly very indistinct in the way that he spoke he said that he didn't really feel like he had much charisma he wasn't interesting to watch and he's wanting he's an entrepreneur he was wanting to make um videos uh so for video marketing and to grow his audience and he felt like whenever he was he was firstly not really making any videos at all because he's so self-conscious but when he did make a video he said it looked very dull and very flat and wasn't very watchable we've been working on a lot of things to make him look and sound more dynamic so we've worked on his voice specifically but we've also worked on a lot of other things like the way he uses his intonation the pace of his speech Mm -hmm. the way he explains his topics so using things like pauses and emphasis the way he uses his face when he speaks and his hands and all of those things have basically completely transformed the way that he looks and sounds in videos Mm. so rather than sounding and looking a bit flat a bit disinterested um it being hard quite hard work to watch he now looks much more dynamic much more enthusiastic he's really highly watchable because he looks passionate about his topic which he always was it just didn't come across that way and so all of these things are are very trainable if you're willing to put the work in Hmm. that's really encouraging to hear isn't it because I think many people you're right many people do think that this is the voice I've got this is the way I speak and and have no power over changing that but um so that's really encouraging yeah and I think one of the I think that's for me that's kind of my without this sounding a bit cliche that's kind of my big mission is that a lot of people are incredibly skilled and incredibly talented and knowledgeable but they don't feel that they can put that across to other people in a way that is interesting or in a way that makes other people kind of buy into what they're doing or want to work with them so all of their talents are kind of stuck inside them and they just feel like they come across as a little gray mouse that nobody would really want to pay attention to and it's my my mission really to make everyone see that actually they are a sparkly unicorn (laughs) and that they can you know put across all of their skills and talents and knowledge in a dynamic and interesting and client magnetizing way if they just learn some simple techniques for how to do that and that really tends to kind of unlock a new level in people's business when they start realizing that actually they can be the face of their business they don't have to hide behind written posts they can make great videos they can make great audio they can do public speaking if that's what they want to do they just need to learn some basic skills to do that yes yes are there in your experience are there some universal principles um so by that i mean is it always going to be better so say for women one of the maybe it's a cliche i don't know you hear women should lower their voice and and that's going to give them more authority and speak slower has more authority and power than speaking really quickly is is that universally true or does it depend on the individual and the setting um i think there are some there are definitely some general principles and they're founded on on research and, and psychology and some fairly sound um, background. So I think there are some general principles, but I would say there's a huge um, scope for variety because it depends what you want to convey and it depends who you are and what your business or what you are about as to what you will want to portray to others. So in particularly in women entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. it, traditionally, obviously, in a corporate setting, 
or in politics for example the goal has been sound more authoritative and sound more like a man because you're in a man's <laughs> world and I would say that in the last few years particularly with online businesses taking off um, that's not so much it's not so cut and dry anymore so there's a lot of women I work with who have a naturally fairly high voice and actually it really works for them it really really works for them and that actually is a few other things that we want to tweak because what I don't want to do is eliminate everybody's individuality and create a sea of robots who all sound and, and speak the same based on these general principles but I would say things like people when they're nervous or when they're excited tend to speak very quickly yeah. and that can make it hard for your audience to follow what you're saying and it can also make you sound nervous even if what you is even if what you are is actually excited so slowing down is often a good idea it also helps you eliminate all of those ums and ahs which most commonly happen basically because your brain can't keep up with your mouth and it needs to buy itself some thinking time so by slowing down what you actually do is just give yourself a chance to speak more fluently yes. without having to stop and do an um every five seconds to get yourself some speaking some thinking time so there are some general principles but i would say that it's very much individual based on what it is you're looking to portray so some people are looking to portray quite a serious corporate authoritative image and for those people i might work with lowering the vocal tone slowing down um making sure their body language looks very grounded and very calm and for other people their brand is about being lively and energetic and connecting with people and being really enthusiastic so for those people i might work on quite different skills and we might have quite a different target because it's all about understanding your brand and understanding your personality and how your communication aligns with your brand and that's something really interesting actually I see in people with with particularly online businesses is for example if they have very lively chatty fun uh, tone in their emails and in the Facebook posts yeah. and they sound you know really enthusiastic and friendly and then when they show up on a video they're very stiff and very flat and they don't really move their face or their hands and they sound oh, can you hear what I've done with my voice here that everything becomes the same and they sound quite robotic and yeah. very flat yeah. that those two things don't align and your audience are going to be thinking hang on I thought you were this lively friendly enthusiastic person and then somebody totally different has shown up on video and that creates problems with your audience's um, sense of you being authentic and you being in alignment. So what I do with my clients a lot is work on aligning their personality, their personal brand and who they are in their written communication with the way that they show up on video or audio or in person and making sure those things are all congruent. Mm, that's smart. That's smart. I think that's something many people would miss. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go <laughs> go and check my email marketing messages <laughs> after this, and just make sure it aligns with my my tone and and personality. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Well, you've given us some amazing tools, tips, advice, things to watch out for with our voice and performance. Anything else before we wrap up um, that you yeah you want to let us know? I would just say that my kind of parting parting wisdom would be to to recognize that your voice and your communication are 
very complex entities but that you can get control of them so in the same way as you know your body isn't just something you're lumbered with you can get the best out of your body you can change what you put into your body you can exercise in such a way that your body changes it's it the way that it works essentially in the way it works for you and exactly the same is true of your voice so and your communication you're not just stuck with what you have it's something that you can learn to master you can become more informed about and you can actually learn to get much more out of your voice and communication than you thought if you're willing to kind of go out there learn a bit more possibly get some help with it if that's something you would find helpful and you can actually unlock a whole lot more potential and I've seen people who never thought they would be a public speaker and through a very short course of of coaching or training they actually realized that the the goal they had deep down that they weren't telling anyone about of speaking from the stage actually could be possible for them even though they thought that would never be something they could do yes yeah what a great message to finish on so yeah thank you liz been really a wonderful interview pleasure Um, where can people find out more about you Okay, so you can head to my website for some more information, which is www.lizsummers.com. That's Liz with two Zs, because I spelt it wrong as a child and nobody had the heart to correct me. <laughs> and you, I also have a Facebook group where I give quite a lot of free content, and that's called Find Your Voice. So you can look me up there on Facebook, and I'd be really happy to have you in my group. Yes, I really enjoy Liz's Facebook group. So, um, yeah, do go and join her group and, and check out her. You've got a freebie on your website as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it's five instant hacks to up-level your live videos. So if you're currently making live videos and they're not really connecting or you don't feel they look very professional, these five simple tips that you can implement literally today are going to help your videos look more professional, keep people watching for longer and help you attract more clients through those live videos. So yeah, I'd really encourage you to go and check that out. Wonderful. Thanks, Liz. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Great. Thanks so much for having me. So that was Liz Summers. What a great interview guest. Hey, she shared so many great tips that you can implement, some practical things that can really help you. So if you feel currently that you either your voice sounds a bit boring or you frequently lose your voice, you get sore throats. If you want to improve your charisma and persuasion and if you need some vocal warm-up exercises, then she gave you some good ones to try. Things like vocal trills and humming and various other things. So yeah, if I was you, I'd go back and re-listen to this. I'm certainly going to do that because she gave lots and lots of, of great information here. And just to round off with the key message that I got from her interview is that our voice is not an infinite resource. It's something that needs to be trained. It's something that needs to be looked after. It's a set of muscles, very complex muscles, actually. And just like an athlete wouldn't go from sitting on the couch to running 100 meters, sprinting 100 meters, we need to consider the same kind of thing with our voice, as in we can't go from waking up in the morning to going and speaking for an hour on stage or singing if that's what we're doing or hosting a webinar or recording a podcast and I know for myself every time I record this podcast I always do vocal exercises first and facial warm-up exercises and it stands me in good stead. The other thing is breathe deeply into your diaphragm. That for me has been one of the biggest things. I used to be very timid in my voice. I was very monotone in my voice, sounded very boring. I can still err on that side at times when I'm being lazy with my speaking, when I'm speaking in just general conversation. If I'm not mindful of it, I will go into this kind of flat, quiet, monotone voice. So it's something I've really had to work on. 
So absolutely your voice can be trained. So that's uh, some great takeaways there from Liz today. Now I'm just going to finish with a, uh, a Bible quote and it's one of the Psalms, Psalm 33, 1 to 3. Sing for joy in the Lord, O ye righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Eternal Health. I hope you tune in again next week and I'll speak to you again then. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Health Podcast. Go to laurarimmer.com to download your free Optimum Health Scorecard and find out your current health score, plus tips, coaching, and training on how to get slim, healed, and energized. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and we'll catch you next time on Eternal Health.